Over the course of the last 20 odd years, British director John Madden has brought us a string of critically acclaimed films which, pleasingly, have tended to do rather well at the box office too. Shakespeare in Love not only landed seven Oscars but also returned a tidy profit of over $250 million. As we'll discover, it's John's view that you can't make a good movie without considerable help from a composer. I'm Edith Bowman and you're listening to Soundtracking, our weekly podcast in which I speak to key figures from the worlds of cinema and television about the music in their work. We then play examples of this music throughout our conversation. In the case of John, score dominates, since the kind of films he's made haven't generally required needle drops. So you'll hear extracts from Thomas Newman's score for the best exotic Marigold to tell movies, Stephen Warbeck's work on Mrs Brown and Shakespeare in Love, and Max Richter's haunting suite for his latest film, Miss Sloane. John Madden, welcome to Soundtrack. It's lovely to see you. I'm trying to think the last time might be Best Exotic, I yes, think might be the was. last time probably that we was, saw each yeah. other. Miss Sloan, uh, congratulations. <laughs> it's a, a wonderful piece of work and a, a fantastic way of showcasing what I've always thought is the exceptional talents of Jessica Chastain. Yes, not many people who could play that role, I don't think, no. or who would even take it on. With the layers and the subtleties and, and, oh, and just also the strength. The, yeah, it's, she's not a character who automatically ingratiates herself with an audience, at least not in initially anyway but then also those relationships she has with lots of other characters within the film yeah her and mark strong's character as well i just yeah. think it's great congratulations good thank you max richter on this as well <laughs> who i'm a huge fan of my husband and i watched the film and he was like i think max has done the we're both fans we listened to the music in the car and he's like, I right. think max has done the music and and i was like oh wow which made me even more excited is to that see because it. they he recognized or you recognized the voice as it were the musical voice or you just knew it anyway well he mentioned it before we watched the film okay which was interesting because then I was almost listening out for it but that's the wonderful thing with music and yeah. I heard you say this in the past that you know that it's an interesting relationship with music and film and that you kind of almost don't want to recognise the music no. but then it also has this huge importance as yeah, part of the process it, it's, um, it's the most enjoyable and intense part of the movie <laughs> for me it also comes at the point for a director you know which is where you've relaxed completely because you know what the movie is and all yeah. the big decisions are over but the collaboration with the composer is crucial. And I'm a great believer in a film belonging to a composer or a composer belonging to a film. It's such an unusual piece, this, to score, because yeah. it's an incredibly verbal film, um, which shouldn't put people off. I mean, it's a thriller, and I like the challenge anyway of making a verbal action piece, verbal <laughs> verbal thriller, but there's a lot of very intelligent talking going on and not, therefore, an easy film to see where the musical spaces exist. Mm-hmm. And Max's particular uh, vocabulary, I suppose, as a composer suits this movie so incredibly well.
you know, the electronica and the way he works with pulses. The subtleties that he has. Incredible subtleties and and also a sort of extraordinarily expansive uh, emotional dimension too, which is so much in the film, but you don't notice it initially because it's really what's happening to her and what's happening to this tiny constricted heart she has and how it opens up in the course of the film. You know, he, he's he's very, very smart and reads a film beautifully. And it was fantastic to work with him. I'm, I'm so, it's very thrilling that, uh, as a piece of music too as well, the, the, way, the way it's scored. I'm looking forward to to getting my copy on vinyl and <laughs> and listening to it at home. Yeah, it's, yeah. A, it's a new pleasure that I found with my love of film. Is just yes. taking these things and these wonderful things yeah. and listening to them without the pictures. And it's totally you totally. really no, get the I power mean, of it. Yes, yes. And Tom Newman, who I work with a great deal, is yeah. you know somebody who rewards fantastically at yeah. that level too. How did the relationship with Max? Why him and how was that introduction? Well, this is no disrespect to Max to say this because I've also admired his work hugely, but you develop relationships with composers yeah. and I'm, you know, have been working with Tom very closely, Tom Newman, but for various reasons, the chief ones being the way the film was set up as a European co-production, it simply wasn't possible to uh, employ an American composer on the film because there's certain things you have to do to qualify in terms of the personnel that are involved. Yeah. And so I had a very strong sense in my mind about how the music would work and what kind of music it needed. Mm -hmm. And Max was the kind of natural candidate for that for me. And I approached him about it and to see whether he was interested. And that's how it came about, essentially. Well, it is. No, it is. It absolutely. That's absolutely true, and it's. You know, I get very closely involved. I think probably most composers are rather startled when they find out how much I want to be around. I heard it's Thomas not... couldn't get rid of you on the gift. Uh, One interview I watched with the pair of you talking about yes, it. Yes, I think that's sweet. probably true. I think he was like very nervous. It's not about control. It's it's just about you know a composer teaches you things about your film that you don't know, just as an editor yeah. does, just as an actor does. 
And, you know, the, the, one of the marvelous things about film is that there are elements of it that are mysterious, and, and the process by which a film comes together is partly through direction, obviously, and an effort, at least, to control your narrative and what you're doing in the film that you're making visually and, and uh, emotionally and, and narratively. But, of course, film will keep surprising you and keep escaping your efforts to control it, and so it is with music. process that I very often have and I had with Max and with Tom God knows and with Stephen Warbeck who I've worked with a great deal yeah. obviously is you you find an, an, an idea a musical idea that seems to belong to the world you're in seems to say something seems to bring something alive or unearth something in the material and often you're finding a way of saying well what happens if that that flavor that color is here or what happens if it's here and that's a very interesting way to work, I think, sometimes. And you end up with totally counterintuitive choice sometimes. You think, oh, well, this is a moment where actually the, the music wants to be articulating tension or yeah. whatever. And then you suddenly decide that you don't... Well, I will suddenly think, actually, I don't think that is the right way to go. The tension's already there. I think it's much more interesting if we play against that and see what happens then. So often that's what happens. I like to be around because sometimes I can see and sense a juxtaposition that might not have been on the order sheet necessarily. (laughs) And then, uh, you know, something comes out of it. Uh, But it's partly to do with the way of... I don't like films that are scored in such a way as to point the audience at a particular reaction. And I think most people don't like that anymore. It's a very old-fashioned way of scoring a film. Yeah. And I think more it's to do with a musical world layering itself into the story so that it the film bounces off it in some way mm-hmm. and uh, or coexists with the picture or something that that's I'm not really finding the best way of expressing it but that's that's yeah. more interesting to me it's I- a, about mood isn't it well, it is, and, and I think as well that music can play so many different roles within a film as well. You know, mm. whether you and you've you've never been one to use much contemporary music within your films. You, you mean, mean needle drop? Yeah, we've never been a needle dropper. You know, there's been, the, <laughs> there's been the odd thing here and there, and I guess that strength and confidence in the storytelling and the performances. Because no, I suppose it's to do with a genre, really. There's sometimes when you do want to do that because it articulates yeah. something. I've no objection to that. You have to be very careful with it because it's massively expensive. (laughs) (laughs) And you end up having to use things that you'd rather not use, perhaps, because the one you really did want to use is so overwhelmingly expensive. No, it's partly because I am a complete music nut and it is the most important thing to me because the world of the film, in the end, much more than people ever realise, is created by the music. Almost as much as the visual motifs are. The world it exists in the way as you say the narrative unfolds and how that's articulated and controlled is so much to do with what the music's doing as well
Would you mind if we talked a bit about some of your earlier films as well? No, not at all. I would love to see if I can that. remember them. <laughs> I'm sure you can remember Mrs. Brown. <laughs> yes, I can. Mrs. Brown is not that long ago. No, no, one, no, no. It's actually 20 years ago. Happy anniversary. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> You know, it's a period piece. It's mm-hmm. set within a specific time. So I imagine mm-hmm. that that's a factor that comes into score and music. The mus- yeah, and, musical and that choice. side of things as well. Fabulous score by Stephen Warbeck. Mm-hmm. was probably on the third or fourth experience I'd had of working on music with him. So we understood our preferences. And he was very, very clever in that film at articulating a kind of unsettled quality, a kind of unrest. There's a sort of quaver movement that dominates one of the main themes in the obviously it's about a character a character, I mean a queen. The most <laughs> the most the most at that point person. the most powerful woman in the world in the moment in her life when she's not being a queen, where she can't be a queen and can't be the person that she's supposed to be because of the depths of her own grief and her own discombobulation and it was finding a, a sort of musical voice that allowed that articulation. So that was a very interesting one. Actually, just hopping, but I want to stay with Stephen for a moment, who is a spectacularly gifted man. We then went from that to Shakespeare in Love, which is the next film we made together. And I had to, I didn't have to fight that hard, but, you know, the studio was sort of like, oh, this is going to be, you know, this or that American composer. I said, no, no, no I want to make this with Stephen and managed to get that through trading something else. And it was a very difficult film to temp score. You have to, I'm yeah. sure I don't have to talk to your audience about temping, which you always have to do if you're testing a movie. It was a very difficult film to do that with because it seemed to have requirements that were not easily serviced by any particular film. Sometimes you just dip into a film and tend to borrow a number of cues from a yeah. particular film. In this case, it wasn't the case. We used some Michael Nyman. We used some John Adams. We used uh, Zbigniew Preisner and a wow. lot of different people. And some, as often happens, some of these cues just clung like glue to the film. People were very nervous about the fact that we were going to have to leave some of them behind. And again, Stephen and I started working with motifs and ideas and wondering quite where they belonged or how they would fit. And I'm not going to use my musical terminology well enough here. I'd have to leave Stephen to do that. But it involved a lot of thirds. I remember that. That's more musical knowledge than quite a lot of the directors. I know, I know. But anyway, it was just... And and gradually this thing started to rise up. It was quite an amazing experience. You know, there is a film that I can point to and say, this would not be the same film without that score. And quite correctly, he won an Oscar for it.
and it's amazing how it captured the exhilaration of creativity and collaboration and romantic love all in one go with an incredible sense of humor. I know for a fact that that score became the temp score for a Richard Curtis film thereafter. They used the entire score really? to temp it. I don't know which one it was. I'm trying to think whether Love it was Love Actually. I think it probably was Love Actually. I was told that by somebody That's later. quite an interesting journey to find out, isn't it? Because you said that you'd used a lot of Thomas Newman's score as temp score for Best Exotic. Yes, so we did. So that's quite an interesting thing of, of now knowing these journeys, these scores have taken to inspire other Well, yes, I mean, there's an interesting story about Tom because, yes, that's absolutely true. We worked together first on a, a film that Jessica Chastain was in, a film called The Debt. It's the first time I worked with Tom. It was also a situation where I couldn't, at that point, work with a British composer. This is new. I, I've never heard of Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's to do... It's to do with achieve a certain sort of quota of numbers of points that you have to get in order to qualify as a certain kind of production and that has to do with the relative weight or significance of the creative elements involved so anyway it's too boring to go into but <laughs> yes with the best exotic marigold hotel which is the second film tom and i did together i did use quite a bit of his music you know from completely you might think of as inappropriate sources not Nemo. <laughs> no, no, but it, but it was more that the marvelous thing about Indian culture is that it is it's sort of chameleon in nature mm. and also appropriates Bollywood music. Famously, appropriates different forms quite shamelessly. So it turned out to be a very interesting way of going into it. And again, a very, very, very distinctive score uh, emerged that again I would pay huge compliment to in terms of the way the film finally worked. Then we made the film's companion piece and that was like a no-brainer because all we did essentially was take the score of the original film and use it and of course it fitted the material perfectly because we were now writing this film, literally, Old Parker and I were writing the film to a template we now understood and could adapt. And Tom 
being a very, 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 you know, creatively honorable man, said, I just feel like I need to remint this. Yeah. And I said, well, you won't find any argument from me about that. I just don't want you to beat yourself up to have to, because obviously we have the elements here as something yeah. that is working. So he did, in fact, rewrite the score, because it's very rare that you can do this. Yeah. We took our temp score and used certain strands of it, and in some cases, layers or stems of the original music. But we changed it, remixed it, and added completely different lines to it, different vocal elements and so forth. So it was a really interesting evolution. So the two scores belong together as one thing, just yeah. The two films belong together as one thing. nervous wasn't he you had to persuade him he had slight nervousness about throwing himself into indian music because he didn't really know much about yeah, it he and, he was... and i love that about him and about anybody i work with you know everybody assumes that the longer you do the job and the more distinguished you are in terms of the amount of work you've done that you all fear vanishes and you can just switch it on and switch it off he's not that person he's you know naked and innocent before every new job that he does and always starts from a feeling of complete inadequacy uh, you know, and any, any creative person will know that feeling. You find it yourself. You think, hang on, how do I do this? When do I say action? You know, it's just like you, you start again every time you do it. And I think he felt, why should I be doing this? You know, shouldn't it be A.R. Rahman or, you know, whoever? Mm-hmm. And I, the, the relationship to me with me was so much more important not that I think A.R. Rahman isn't a genius I do but I wanted to do it with Tom and he probably was able to use the fuel of my belief in him to get him through the first part of that process but you know he's a magpie as well and also hugely democratic as a composer he has a tremendous amount of creative input from this core group of uh, musicians that he works with who, who, who are on all of his movies yeah. um, and yeah, it's a band. It's a band. It is literally a band. And he says, you want to try playing around with this now? Let's do a take where you do this, or let's double that, or let's... Uh, it's completely fascinating. So, yeah, it's an endlessly fascinating thing, movie mm-hmm. music. narrative as well you know for example when they're dancing yeah Mrs. Brian, you know, when, yeah. It's, when it's within the narrative and Captain Corelli as well yeah I love the score the yeah films, yeah right? yeah again another different yes it way is the music's used yes well. it is and then you have to start thinking earlier about 
music. I mean, I would think earlier still if I could about music. I mean, the one thing I've never done is a musical, though part of me wants would to you? do that. Yes, probably. But I mean, um, the best exotic Margot to tell the musical is a given, surely. Yes, it's... <laughs> <laughs> Plenty of people have thought about it. Yeah. Well, because Shakespeare in Love was for the yeah. longest time people were trying to say, and I kept saying, you cannot do that. This won't work as a movie, as a musical, musical. because the poetry is the music. You can't mm. you unravel it completely. But lost track of what well, we were talking talk about. Talking, music being within the narrative. Uh, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. No, early. absolutely. So, yes. So, for example, in the Corelli, you have to... The, the, the mandolin is obviously a central part of what's going on and music is key to the whole voice of the film so in that instance we were investigating the whole musical landscape well before we started shooting it uh, because apart from anything else you know the actor has to learn how to play that thing and <laughs> yeah. play that tune in particular I play music in my head all the time I'm making a film. I can always feel where I'm going to be wanting music to play a part of what's going on in terms of the way the camera is working and the way the camera's operating. Play music on set? Uh, no, I don't. The weird thing is it's so powerful, music. It can be such a seductive and therefore a corrupting influence. <laughs> yeah. if you, and it, it, it obscures people and they think, well, I can do anything here and it's going to work because yeah. I listen to this music that's playing. And actually, no, the, the key thing is you have to be totally focused on what the narrative is saying mm. at that particular moment emotionally and, you know, in terms of the ideas or, or the story. I just hum to myself occasionally, <laughs> but that's more to... Just sense how, you know, the, the music works in collaboration with the camera and sensing how that's going to work and what that's going to do and how it's going to harness an audience's engagement with the scene in a particular way is something I'm always thinking about at the very front of it. I guess it's a rhythm in your head, isn't it? Yeah, it yeah. is. Well, it's about rhythm. It's far too little observed that because we think of it, of course, as it is. A, yeah. a visual medium and it is primarily visual in the way that it works and that's the thing that is sort of dazzling in the first instance about watching a film but it's really about rhythm it's really about rhythm it's about editorial rhythm camera rhythm rhythm of dialogue and uh, and I always observed that because I started in this business I started in radio that was the first thing I where I started directing actually and that's all you have to work with is rhythm yeah is is momentum and silence and once you learn that, you start to pay a lot of attention to the rhythm in which a story unfolds. I thank you for your time. And I, I love this relationship that you've started with Max, whether it mm. continues on your next project, I don't know. But I think there's something <laughs> quite magical about his subtleties. Yes, kind of done, no, he's, a, he's incredible uh, mind, actually, mm. Max has. And he's very, very attuned to nuance in, in a way that's 
pretty unusual. And and also, is this way of sort of, of course, because he's working in a primarily minimalist genre often, which essentially is what movie music wants to be anyway, he pulls you into a kind of intense awareness of tiny little things because he's working with a, a musical paragraph that is very elongated and then suddenly there's a change and that change takes on an enormous significance. Yeah, it was a beautiful partnership with the material in this film because he lifts out of it the hidden narrative of the film which is really about what's happening to her and you think nothing is happening emotionally to her because she's extinguished her emotional life. Just Actually, wait. it's about Yes, exactly. <laughs> Just exactly. wait. John, it's an always pleasure to chat to you. Thank you so Thank much. You, and I look forward to the next project as Great. well. Thank you. Miss Sloan Solo by our old friend Max Richter, rounding off this latest episode of Soundtracking with writer-director John Madden. My huge thanks to John for finding time to talk to us. Miss Sloan is on general release now, with Max's score available via Europa Core. There's a full track list for this show at edithbowman.com, featuring the specific pieces of score we've used. My website is also the place if you'd like to catch up with previous episodes or you can find all of them on iTunes. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. We are at Soundtracking UK. And please do spread the word about the programme if you like what you hear. Next up, Guy Ritchie. He joins me to discuss King Arthur, Legend of the Sword, amongst other things. I look forward to the pleasure of your company then. (laughs) 